I still have practices in Arkansas that are on paper charts. And at what point do we leave them so far behind? They can't catch up. That concerns me. That worries me. Thinking about those value-based care and payments, it really can't happen in a paper environment. So how do we meet them where they're at? And how do we bring them to the point where we can get them into that value-based care is something that's on my mind every day. That was Alicia Berkemeyer talking about just one of the major challenges facing payers and providers as they try to address gaps in rural healthcare. Berkemeyer is spearheading innovative solutions that not only increase access to care in rural communities, but reimagine what care delivery means. Berkemeyer, who serves as Executive Vice President and Chief Health Management Officer at Arkansas Blue Cross Blue Shield, thinks creatively when it comes to such things as value-based contracts. One example includes helping a rural primary care practice install a washer and dryer. That's enabled care teams to have more direct contact with families about health issues when they come in to do their clothes. She explores that type of problem solving as well as the power of data in this podcast with Oliver Wyman's Rohith Banerjee. The Oliver Wyman Health Podcast is brought to you by the global management consulting firm, Oliver Wyman. For more insights on the business of transforming healthcare, visit our online publication, health.oliverwyman.com. We pick things up with Berkemeyer detailing some of the lessons learned from the COVID-19 pandemic in terms of reaching rural communities. COVID has put a spotlight on the gaps and the challenges in rural health care. We've seen some opportunities that we knew there were health inequities, but the spotlight that COVID put in place really put us into action. And so we've been working with partnerships across our state, with the health department, with minority organizations such as fraternities and sororities. We've worked with some African-American mayors trying to understand where are the gaps, because a big part of understanding this is where are the gaps and how do we help support them? One of the lessons learned certainly has been you've got to be careful of who the messenger is. You cannot take a message out to a population that is not like them. We learned that early on. And so finding the person in the community, some may be the pastor in that area, some may be a grandmother in that area that just everyone goes to for the insight. So learning the community by listening, learning, asking questions, and then matching up the resources and the needs. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting takeaway. I think a lot of Blues across the industry rely a lot on the brand, and and a lot of a lot of their members have have trust in the brand. Have have you felt that that was the same way as you started to engage the communities that that the you know these members the these individuals have a natural trust in Arkansas Blue Cross Blue Shield just by holding the, the medical insurance, or are there other tactics that you have to go above and beyond that to really build that trust? It varies by community and that we do, we're proud to be Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield. And we actually partnered and really did a media campaign around vaccinate the natural state, bringing in that multitude of stakeholders. And we really campaigned and educated about the COVID vaccine. So locking arms, aligning in that method and trying to work together has been very beneficial because some communities, it was going to be Blue Cross would be the the lead and we knew it take turns and so it wasn't a prideful situation it was a partnership and understanding who was the best messenger at that time so it, it certainly lessons learned you've got to match up to that um what the need is and and how have you seen that 
vary even community by community. I mean, our Arkansas is not just one rural area. It's it's also highly segmented. So how how applicable have the learnings been, you know, community to by community or rural area by rural area? I'll give an example. Certainly up in northwest Arkansas, there's a lot of Marshall East population. And one of the things that we worked in that community with the Marshall East was that the families that lived together we were learning very quickly as COVID was spreading that the whole family would see, you know, spread within a, a that home. So we ended up when we round to the vaccines and the education, we came to the point of we we actually donated a van and partnered with community health workers to go out into those homes to educate in those homes to deliver those vaccines into the people there, because sometimes you just don't understand what the different culture what the requirements or the understandings or expectations not everyone sees healthcare the same way and and was that tough culturally also within arkansas blue cross blue shield just you know drawing from some of my experiences working across blues and and payers i think a lot of executives still uh, you know, don't look at the data on, on a geographic basis, or there still is a bias to think about what's the standardized way in which we can roll out solutions to our community. So how, how did you even fight the, or, or, you know, think about the cultural aspects internally and, and, and thinking and challenging yourself to, to, you know, do, do things a different way? We looked at it through three lenses, basically, but you have to make partnerships within the community and that's very important to work together. You have to have a leadership standpoint, which important in leadership is listening to understand the problem and then be the leader to help come with the solution. And data is the third element of that. Data has certainly, and was we partnered closely with the Arkansas Health Department around the COVID cases and then around the COVID vaccine. We were on a weekly call with them to deploy the vaccines as they were being received into our state and what areas needed it to ensure that the populations were equitable. And we were trying to increase those vaccinated for the minorities just as everyone else. And so data plays a huge part for us. Yeah. Now, what what you discover is more you start working on these solutions is there's more challenges where that comes into place because how how reliable is the data how accurate is the data is everyone tracking it appropriately and entering into the same fields that can be pulled from so we we just started that and really as a state with arkansas medicaid and with other payers in our state trying to get some consistency and understanding of our data. So again, I go back to that the theme seems to be that spotlight that COVID brought for us. That was another area that data accuracy and collecting the data is so critical and important. So we can break it out by the geographic and the special populations. Yeah, it's a really interesting insight because if you think about the data that most health insurers have, it's actually very structured, very timely. It all flows through, through claims. How was it, you know, dealing with those other organizations where the data, the data may not be timely. You, you may not have trust in it. How does it kind of even, you know, change your view on the different types of data sets you may need to be collecting in the future that you never even thought you needed, you know, even five years ago? I will tell you, certainly we were fortunate starting in the value-based work back in 2012 with CPC Classic. We had really put a lot of emphasis on getting all the payers to align in our health information exchange. Yeah. 
And so starting with that health information exchange and having the large connection with the hospitals within our state, they played a key role in having consistent data and being able to push and pull that COVID data and information. And so we really started very quickly and even into the medical homes, we were pushing how many positive cases you have and how many are vaccinated or not vaccinated and all sharing that information. We've talked a lot today about the importance of building trust in these communities in 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 rural areas it's it's almost sometimes foreign to them you know the the type of work that that a health insurer may do talk talk to me a little bit about how you've been able to supplement that with new technology and and new resources to think about access and delivery in a different way so there are several different things that we've been working on that through either telehealth, televisits, and we've recently been piloting a program on e-consults with the CMI, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation, around our CPC Plus population. And in that case, it's actually supporting the primary care practices in that area to help people local. You look at opportunities of if you can keep some uh, mother that's having a pregnancy and they're not having to travel in two hours to go get care, how, what are the areas that we can keep them in the local area, in the local community, and support them with the needs? But it also is an opportunity, honestly, to upskill the current um, practice in that area as well. And so what you find is there's that confidence with that consultation with the specialist, and then those truly that are being referred are the ones that really need to go for those referrals, and that assists with the specialist um, scheduling as well. Yeah, that's that's really helpful. And, and I guess the, the natural question that I would have is when you think about the technology that you've been able to deploy in a very rapid basis over the last two or three years, how do you see that evolving? I think a lot of the technology across many health insurers was very reactive to COVID. And now there's an opportunity to think about much more proactive, proactive te yeah. technology think about strategically what we need and you know every health plan needed much stronger telemedicine which which we now have but now i think each health plan is going to be looking at their tech stack a little bit differently going forward given given the unique needs of their population how, how are you thinking about new technology that you don't have today that is going to be really important over the next five ten years especially in the the rural communities you serve with the pandemic, we had really received a lot of pushback from many providers about doing telehealth or televisits, and even ourselves, we were a little bit hesitant on it about what with the quality of care, how do you credential telehealth and other things. But once we moved into it so quickly, we found the providers to be so creative. They were looking at opportunities and ways to do things, you know. Some of the clinics, because of the broadband being so poor in those rural areas, they would have the people drive to their clinic, but keep them outside and give them an iPad. And so they would receive their care or treatment in the parking lot in the iPad, but yet keeping the environment a little bit safer. So we saw the, the uptake of both medical and behavioral health skyrocket during COVID. Medical began coming down. Behavioral health has remained high. So as we have a behavioral health crisis in our country today, I'm very hopeful that we have maybe found a new avenue for behavioral health, that people are more comfortable with behavioral health via tele, and that way we can receive the treatment that's maybe needed, and it also helps with the limited resources we have around behavioral health. 
there was a therapist that shared with me that she really was struggling with no-show rates in her clinic. Since she's gone televisits, they show up all the time. Every, it doesn't matter if they're in front of a restaurant or wherever, they're comfortable. Her question is, do you feel like you're in a safe place? They say yes. And then she begins therapy, but they show up for those type. And so if we've found a new avenue to get better behavioral health care to our members, to the people in Arkansas across the country, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, that, I, I think that's so critical in these rural areas because I think almost the first, second, and third problem sometimes is is access. And you have a very unique role at Arkansas Blue Cross Blue Shield. You also think about the you know many aspects of total cost of care, including provider contracting. You know how how do you view the the provider world in in Arkansas? How how concerned are you about? issues around access, issues around economic stability for these providers, given that, you know, so many of these rural communities are, are maybe so dependent on one or two physicians or, you know, one hospital system. How, how big of a problem is it? It concerns me greatly. Uh, the hospitals today are struggling like they've never struggled before. We certainly have been having some discussions in our state. We, we need to collaborate again that partnership how do we look at services how do we support them as a whole because we don't need service units to kind of create that shut down that create even worse rural challenges than we have today and so it we've got to look outside the box at additional solutions and I think that the you know technology that we are, we're facing and looking at I think the tele opportunities and then also the value-based care and payments moving away from that fee for service and stop that payment just for every time we do something to giving that money to be used as it needs to be within that community makes a big difference yeah and i you shared a story with me earlier around the creativity around value-based payments is almost at an all-time high with with providers in rural areas sharing a, a story about how you, you wouldn't think about it, but a, a provider used value-based care dollars to invest in a, a washing machine and a, and a dryer. Can you share that share that story with us? Absolutely. So in, in some of the value-based payments, you um, they the clinic has the opportunity to use it as they need within their community. And there was a, a independent primary care practice that was in very rural South Arkansas. And one of the things that they decided they needed to invest in was that washer and dryer because many of their patients didn't have access to washer and dryer. Well, their creativity within that is it was really gave hope to those children, those families that, did, you know, it's important to feel good about yourself, to have clean clothes and to present yourself well. And so when the patients would come in or the families would come in to wash and dry their clothes, those care coordinators those nurses or others knew those patients and that gave them face time with those patients. So as those clothes were being washed and dried, the care coordinator would talk about their diets or their diabetes or their asthma. And then that gave them the time. And so it, I was so complimentary of that practice to think outside the box and think of ways that they could connect with those patients to make a difference. Um, this similar practice also, too, they were looking at the next goal was going to be maybe potentially offering some type of gym equipment. And then those could those care managers then 
go intermingle with them and encourage that community to exercise. And so thinking creatively on those rural areas of what are the resources and the gaps and what is the care that's needed? What is the, you know, and how do we get to them speaking their language and meeting them where they're at? That washer dryer story is incredible because healthcare organizations, I feel sometimes are known for not being anywhere near that creative. How do you take and, and harness that thinking, that creativity in, in ways to look at the problem differently and spread it, you know, not just across your geography in, in Arkansas, but how do you take that thinking across other payers and providers across the country? We certainly are big in stakeholder collaboration and, and coordination, and, and my staff would laugh and tell you that I'm a whiteboarding queen because I like to whiteboard everything out. So one of the things that we have done um, is a multi-stakeholder um, collaboration on a quarterly basis. And I think through that, we, we work together to identify and line out what are the key priorities and then how do we support them. And so with that, I think it's enabled all of us to think a little differently outside the box. So for our first year, we really focused on some of the um, behavioral health issues. We focused on, you know, one of the com you know, concerns, the problems was it basically says we started out with a whiteboarding session. What's going well in your mar in the market today? What's going well in Arkansas today around healthcare? And then you start thinking positive. And then what's what's the most broken thing? And then we focus and then everybody votes on kind of what the opportunities are. And so certainly it was around, you know, the burden of administration, the behavioral health challenges, the information and technology. And um, we start narrowing some of those things down and it offers us an opportunity to think differently. And so in that value funding when we pay value dollars we encourage those participating in that which is certainly the providers and other payers in that community that are thinking differently to use the money what you're needed in in your area and so there's no limitations when they receive their value dollars of what they can spend it on in their community another thing i'm very proud about through that brainstorming process and through that whiteboarding is a not-for-profit, nonprofit behavioral health, integrated behavioral health company was developed, Arkansas Behavioral Health Integrated Network. So for the last few years, they've been working on training individuals within primary care to address and treat behavioral health. And so that's something just out of a little thinking outside the box, thinking differently, just coming together as a multi-stakeholder group to say, what are our problems? And now they're making a big difference throughout the state. And really, they've even done some training outside of our state as well to make a difference. So it's important to think outside that box. I, I think there's a very macro lesson in there, in fact, that we all need to really think outside the box if, if we're going to address rural health care. Absolutely. What, you know, one of the questions that we've heard a lot is it's been difficult to move rural healthcare providers to value-based care. They rely so much on uh, the fee-for-service medicine dollar. They're, they're a lower scale. They, they have less resources and technology to, to make the shift. Is, is that the experience that you've seen as well? Or do you think we, we are now past the tipping point and value-based care can be successful in rural areas? Yeah. Interestingly enough, early on, we started a pilot around medical home in 2010. 
and then in 2012 went to CPC. What we found, interestingly enough, is some of the independents were much quicker to move into the value than the owned practices. One of the particular practices that I um, worked with was an independent practice. Her husband was our IT guy. So if you can get your husband to fix your system to make that work, they were very effective. So ironically, that was one of the lessons learned that sometimes the people working within the systems and how to get on a waiting list for their IT changes, because, you know, back to the data, yeah. you've got to have the data. And then the other challenge that we learned very quickly, EHRs were really meant for data entry, not pulling data out. Right. And so how do you get consistent data to be, you know, able to pull it out in a meaningful manner? So um, it, it's a mix. Certainly there are some systems that have really bought into the value and have purchased systems and processes and done really good job around value. But you'd be surprised some of the superstars are also independents that are out there doing really good things. Why is it, do you think, that some of the owned systems may still lag behind? Do you think it's similar to the challenges in urban areas around kind of culture and incentives or, or do you think there's a different mix in in rural areas for why there may be slower adoption yeah it's easy for us to sit and say oh it's all the providers they're having trouble moving away from your service but health plans are built on fee-for-service the whole communities are built on fee-for-service so this is different for all of us and so it's something new and something different and you know I, on the on the CMMI programs we've participated with quite a bit, that's been one of my fears. My concerns is, you know, we're up to in Arkansas, we've got 410 practices from primary care standpoint in value-based care payments. I still have practices in Arkansas that are on paper charts. And at what point do we leave them so far behind? They can't catch up. That concerns me. That worries me. Thinking about those value-based care and payments, it really can't happen in a paper environment. So how do we meet them where they're at? And how do we bring them to the point where we can get them into that value-based care is something that's on my mind every day. Yeah, I mean, it really rethinks the role of the health insurer as a, as a partner in the provider ecosystem when when these providers are at, at essentially, you know, many different places along the the spectrum of technology, of will and and skill, it, it really underscores the fact that you know rural healthcare and advancing it can't be one size fits all. It's it's unique to the community. It's unique to the underlying population, and now it's even unique to the providers. There's a lot of permutations that you have to solve for. Um, we've talked a lot about the. Um, economic model on, on the provider side. I'm, I'm curious though about the economic model on the payer side. So as, as a nonprofit blue, Arkansas Blue Cross Blue Shield, you know, isn't in this to, like the, the goal is not, I would assume is not to optimize MLR. You know, that being said, the common refrain is no margin, no mission. So we have to find a way to make this, um, you know, somewhat financially viable long-term to be able to invest the right level of, of, of resources and the technology of investment in the communities, all, all of that is not cheap. How, how are you guys thinking about the financial equation of improving rural health? Yeah, so you're certainly right. It has to be mar margin and mission. We are a very mission organization that we work hard to service our communities, our customers. 
Um, I, I can tell you I've been very fortunate for the last 10 years that through the multi-payer initiatives that I don't just represent Arkansas Blue Cross, I've been able to represent our state. Early in 2012, when we started the CPC and the first time I got to go to Washington, um, Qualchoice, one of our competitors there locally, he's like, okay, Alicia, when you go to Washington, you're not just Blue Cross, you're us too, you're Qualchoice too, because I can't go. And so we've really had a collaborative effort to make healthcare better. And I'm a big believer that you bring community leaders together. There's areas of competition and then there's areas of collaboration. And focusing on those areas of collaboration is what brings success. And so how do we find those things that we want to move forward? We need to move forward for our Kansans and for our customers across the country. And that's what we focus and work on together. Yeah, maybe let's end on that theme of, of moving forward. So what's what's one piece of actionable advice that the healthcare executives out there listening can take and start to enact at their organization if they want to take a more serious stance on improving the health of their rural communities? I would I would challenge them to really take a leadership role in rural health care, in health equity, and in behavioral health. They you know, listen as a leader to the problems, partner on solutions. Yeah, I think we all need to do a lot more listening and understanding, especially after the last few years. So thank you, Alicia, uh, very much. Really enjoyed the conversation and, and looking forward to more conversations. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. The Oliver Wyman Health Podcast is brought to you by the global management consulting firm, Oliver Wyman. For more insights on the business of transforming healthcare, visit our online publication, health.oliverwyman.com.